Welcome, 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 friends, to a very special live edition of Sustainability Now, right here in the house. We are in our studios here in the beautiful, historic Hayburn Building. My name is Justin Mogg, your host of Sustainability Now every week. I have been here since the day we went on air, since April 9th, 2017, doing weekly programs for you. I was one of the co-founders of this station, and uh, the reason I'm talking about that is because it is our fifth anniversary pledge drive right now, and we need you to step up to the plate to support the station, support your listening. We know you love it because you're listening, and the only way that this radio magic happens day in and day out, 24-7, 365 for five years straight now is because people like you have dug deep to support us uh, and we just are so grateful to everybody who's donated over the years to help keep us on the air and uh, you could be the next uh, to help keep us going for another five years uh, i'm really excited to have my very first guest my very first guest back in the studio. He's still here five years later. Chris Glasser's with me. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Justin. Good to be back, as always. Oh, man, Chris, this is so great. When you first came on the air with me back in April of 2017, you were executive director of an organization called Bicycling for Louisville, and things have evolved a bit by now, right? They have, yeah. We go by the name Streets for People now, and it's a great group of people, sort yeah. of a collective of, of folks who are all interested in these multimodal advocacy conversations. Right, right. right. And uh, so Streets for People has been a longtime supporter of Forward Radio from the beginning, one of our very first community partners. Uh, if you are thinking about making an individual contribution to Forward Radio, you can do that right now at forwardradio.org and pick up on some, uh, some of our lovely thank you gifts that we have available for you right now at all kinds of different pledge levels. But if you're also part of a community organization like Streets for People, uh, you could talk to the folks at that organization about becoming a community partner of Forward Radio. It's, it's sort of our version of underwriting. We have that, too, for local businesses. But honestly, most of our supporters are, are local nonprofits. Profits like Streets for People, uh, willing to chip in a little bit. Uh, you know, the bar's pretty low. We're not a high-budget operation, right? So even small nonprofits can afford to chip in, and in return, they get uh, promotional announcements uh, aired on the station throughout the year. So that thank you so much, Chris, for making that happen with Streets for People. Of course, man. Love it. And the neat thing about that is we used a little bit of revenue from, uh, from the valet bike parking that the organization used to offer to help fund the station, right? Of course, yeah. That was our big revenue source for lots of years when they were, you know, we were doing events um, for bike parking downtown for like Fort Castle and events like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure people have seen that, and that, actually, that that's another evolution that's happened in the last five years, right? You want to talk about that? Yeah, totally. So we've actually sort of sold that business to Fall City Community Bike Works, which is sort of a sister organization of Streets for People. And we have just a lot of overlap and, and it just felt like a better fit for them and what they were doing with their membership. And so sort of during when the pandemic started, we started that conversation and they were very interested. And, and so we shifted that over to them. So they're going to be handling all the sort of event bike parking going forward. And I'm really happy that I, it's a great service. I'm happy that it exists. I think it's just like sort of a better fit for them and what they're doing. Yeah, uh, man, Fall City Community Bike Works is such a great offshoot of bicycling for Louisville uh, yeah, totally. to, to have a place where people 
can go and learn how to maintain their bicycles. Uh, you know, if you're thinking of like a totally capitalist model where everybody's got tons of money and can just drop off their bike at a bike shop, sure. But there's all kinds of people in our city who ride bikes who can't afford that, right? And why not? skill up our community right and give them access to the tools maybe everybody doesn't need to own a full set of bike shop tools maybe we can share them collectively and that's the whole model of fall city community bike works right going strong still on logan street yeah i love fccb and you know i think of their mission and our mission streets for people as sort of like flip sides of the same coin like we're both interested in just making sure that bikes and the streets are accessible to everyone and they sort of do that the physical like machine of the bike and we're we're more about like street design and thinking in, in, in those terms but it's all about getting just everyone able to get out on the street and ride a bike for example yeah yeah we're going to talk about recapturing our streets for people uh coming up in just a second here but quickly i want to uh, remind folks of not just the reasons to give i know you love the station i know you support our mission i know you love hearing about local nonprofits that wouldn't get airtime elsewhere, right? Like Streets for People on our station. Uh, but this is also a very special time because you can get some wonderful thank you gifts in return for your donations right now. We've partnered up with the fine folks at Stitch, sewing together in the Caring Highlands, a mission of Highland Presbyterian and Kentucky Refugee Ministries that teaches refugees to sew while practicing English. Uh, artisans keep 100% of the profits. So if you donate now at uh, many different levels, I'll tell you them about them in a minute, uh, uh, then we will use that money to purchase things from Stitch to, and the artisans will keep 100% of the the value of the gift too. So it's a multi, you can support many things at once by going to forwardradio.org, click that big red button at the top, donate to our pledge drive, and you'll, you'll find yourself on our Give Lively page where you can see all the different options starting at the $25 level for a zippered pouch from, uh, from Stitch. At $35, you can get one of those phone caddies so you can prop up your smartphone while you're FaceTiming or trying to follow a recipe in the kitchen, you know? Uh, these are really lovely uh, handmade uh, phone caddies. Uh, if you just like a WFMP t-shirt, you can get one at the $40 level. We have them in all wide ranges of sizes printed by a downtown minority-owned local shop. Uh, they come in both short and long sleeve at the $40 level. Uh, for, for you chefs out there, for people who are spending time in the kitchen like me, you might also like at the $50 level, one of the Stitch uh, Kitchen Boas. These are things you wear around your neck that have uh, kitchen towels at each end for wiping or grabbing hot things. Uh, we also have a set of handmade colorful dishcloths knitted by a friend of Forward Radio uh, with 100% cotton yarn, also available at the $50 level. At the $60 level, you can get one of the Stitch Microwave Bowl Pot Holders, a set of three in different sizes, 100% washable. And at the $75 level, pick yourself up a WFMP hoodie so you can stay warm all next winter uh, and show your love for WFMP. And finally, at the $150 level, we have these handmade lap blankets. There are only three. Uh, one of our volunteers, Carol Trainer, is making them right now in three different designs, a WFMP colors, UFL Cardinal colors, and UK colors. So you could have a house divided for $300 if you want. <laughs> and keep swarming. Or of all winter long. Uh, and of course, you can give at any level. You can give a custom amount uh, if you'd like. We'd like to thank everybody who's donated so far. We have nine donors that have helped us get to $642. We need to raise $5,000, my friends, in the next two weeks. And if that seems like a lot, well, the good news is there's a lot of you listening who can help support. So kick in whatever you can. Any level doesn't matter.
matter. If you don't want a thank you gift, that's fine too. Just donate now uh, to support the station and we will get to 5,000 by the end of these two weeks if we do it together. So thanks to Ruth Newman who donated, a co-founder of the station. I pitched in some money too because I believe in this so much I don't just give my time, I also give some money. Judy Watrous, thank you so much for your donation. Dave Robinson, host of Bench Talk, uh, the week in science has also pledged to the station. Avery Kohlers doesn't even have time to volunteer for the station anymore, but he's still given, used to host Ethics Forward here on the station. Michael Logsdon, who hosts uh, our wonderful Kentucky and a Showcase program with all local musicians, uh, is also a donor to the station. Thank you, Mary Williams and David Dutchke. We also have some people who are going old school, you know, they're they're mailing in checks. Uh, I want to thank former Representative Jim Wayne, who mailed us a check yesterday with a little lovely little thank you note. Uh, Garrett Adams, also friend of the station, donated a check. And I'm told, look at this, we have a check from Lauren Care. Thank you, Lauren, so much for donating and giving your love to the station. And I also just received an email before we went on air that friend of the station, Barbara Berman, has also made a very generous pledge to the station. Thank you, Barbara, so much for your support over the years. So you can be like all these great folks. We have more than nine donors with all these checks. We got about a dozen, but we need more. And I want to thank you live on air right now. We'll be live until 7 p.m. here on a beautiful Monday, March 28th. And I'm so excited to have Chris Glasser back in the studio with me from Streets for People. So, Chris, we, let's talk about some cool things going on on our streets. Uh, so there's been some... You know, it's all change is always slow, but there have been some progress in the last five years, right? I mean, we have seen some things go in that aren't anywhere else in the city, like the Castlewood project, for instance, which is our first sort of multi-use path, right? Uh, that just totally. used to be a four-lane road that was not inviting for anybody. Yeah, I think that's the currently reigning champion best facility in, in the city. And that's something that we as an organization proposed around 2015, 2014. And it went into place in 2019. So that's just sort of the speed at which these sort of conversations go. And it's, a, in my mind, a great facility. It's a, it's a great connection on Barrett and Castlewood, you know, to and from Tyler Park, from the Germantown neighborhood, you know, a really wide multi-use path. I use it every day getting home from work. And, you know, I see people walking their dogs. I see oh, people yeah. pushing their strollers. I just pe see people jogging two abreast, three abreast, talking, just having a casual walk. Yeah. And and that is something that wasn't possible before. You know, like there is a sidewalk on the other side of the street. However, it's like a very narrow five-foot sidewalk that's right next to traffic that's coming right down the, down the street. And there's often utility poles in the middle of that sidewalk. So... You know, I would be walking with my wife and we'd like have to go single file on this right. <laughs> on this very narrow sidewalk where cars are just going right by us. And so it's just been great to see all the use it gets. I mean, it honestly, it, it makes it all worth it when you like are able to use a facility and see just the variety of ways people are using it. It's, it's just fantastic. Yeah. And it really speaks to this whole concept of streets for people and not just bicycles, right? Totally. I think that was like a really necessary shift for the organization to take is, is that this is about, you know, people using it at a human scale, not a, like an automotive scale. And, and it's not just about bikes. And we've started to talk about these as like mobility lanes and not just bike lanes. And mm. I think that's that's a shift that's been happening nationally where we see that like these facilities get used by a lot of different people who sort of don't have 
an existing piece of infrastructure for them. Yeah. And so if you're riding on or walking or jogging or yeah. rollerblading on that Castlewood project, it's going to take you up through Tyler Park and you're going to sort of wrap around into the Highlands and... Where do you go from there? You kind of end up back on regular streets that don't really have any accommodations for anyone not driving. And so there is a vision we've been working on for Norris Place, which is where this project would sort of dump you out if you wanted to continue going east, right? Yeah, that's right. And so we're just trying to build a network of these facilities that connect to one another. And so as you continue east into from the Tyler Park neighborhood across Eastern Parkway into the Deer Park neighborhood, the proposal that we've presented to Cassie Armstrong, the, the councilwoman for that district, to Public Works, to Advanced Planning, is that we install a, a similar facility to what's on Castlewood now, do something similar on Norris, and continue that up on up to Douglas, all the way to Douglas Loop. So, so would, for people who aren't familiar, don't know the name Norris, you've probably been on it. Uh, it is a reasonable amount of traffic not huge but a lot of people go through there and it's where bellerman is uh highland middle school highland middle school sunnergoss coffee is across the street and uh shenanigans shenanigans thank you (laughs) is also there so there's a few little businesses along the way but it's mostly residential that's right and i think one thing that's unique about norris is that while it's a residential neighborhood there aren't many homes that face directly onto Norris, mm, right. they sort of face these inner streets like Sherwood, Stevens, Deerwood, Alfresco, like all these streets, they face inward as opposed to towards Norris. So that what that means is there's not actually many homes that are sort of have like a Norris place address. It's mostly just, you know, they're adjacent to the, the road. And so what that results in is there's not actually a ton of on-street parking demand from homes on on the corridor and so the observation has been because there's sort of modest parking demand along this corridor that you could move parking to one side of the street Uh instead of having on both sides of the street and use one of those parking lanes for the mobility lane so is the vision that we would have something that is raised up on a curb like it is on Barrett, right? Or would it be more like Castlewood where it's separated with these flexible uh, Bollards, bollard yeah. kind of things, right? Yeah, it would, be, it would be the Castlewood design. Okay. So it would be in the street using the existing roadway. So the street there is about you know 35 to 40 feet wide through that area. And basically, with the amount of funding that the city has for projects like this, we're talking like the city has allocated $500,000 a year for projects of this nature. This project would probably cost, I don't know, ballpark like $200,000 to do with like paint and posts and on Mm -hmm. the street as it exists. If you were to actually, you know, build a, a raised facility. That's where you'd get something that was, you know, probably north of five hundred thousand dollars, approaching a million dollars. Those just become like very expensive projects, and just frankly, the city doesn't have money and hasn't hasn't allocated money. <laughs> yeah, so as, let's put it that way for yeah. projects like this. So this is this is what we can obtain attain with the funding that's uh, available. Okay, cool. Um, so how do we make a project like this a reality? Uh, it, surely it's not just convincing one council person, right? And in fact, we've been sort of advised as an organization um, to start talking with the different neighborhood associations, right? And, and try and get the residents who would be directly affected on board, right? Yeah. So I've, I've had 
conversations with the Deer Park Neighborhood Association, and they're they're the neighborhood that's like most directly impacted by this proposal. But it's also it would have impact the Tyler Park neighborhood, the Belknap neighborhood, the, the Douglas Highlands neighborhood, um, and you know it's adjacent to the Bonnie Castle neighborhood, mm-hmm. the, the Cherokee Triangle neighborhood. So all these are neighborhoods that are impacted by this, and we've be, you know had those conversations with um, with Deer Park and reached out um, to the adjacent neighborhoods as well. I will say that the the Deer Park neighborhood tomorrow night on Tuesday is hosting a like a listening session for oh. for folks and it's at 6 p.m at highland middle school um and cassie armstrong the councilwoman and and, and bob atkin the the head of the neighborhood association they're going to be hosting a uh, just an informal sort of listening session where people are invited to just come and give their feedback and there's also an online um survey that they've put out just asking just sort of point blank what are your thoughts oh, and wow. and Surveys may be too strong a word, just like a text box that just says, like, tell us what you think. And um, so that's out there now, and you can find it sort of like on Deer Park social media, on, you know, whether that's Twitter or Facebook. They, they put that survey out just to sort of receive input. Are they only wanting residents, or are they wanting people who live in other neighborhoods but would use the facility? They have not said. Yeah. Okay. They just said, <laughs> you know, let us know what you think. And okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think people who might use it should show up uh, and express their support. Totally, for the idea. yeah, and that's what we've you know uh, on our social media as well. We've you know sort of shared links to that survey and and asked folks to to fill on the form and you know some basic text to to put in there and and hopefully you can either write in or if you can attend the meeting that would be even more amazing. Yeah. I think it's just really important that there are voices in that room and, and the that are sending in comments that just say. I support this. I think this is reasonable. You know, the world's the sky's not falling. The world's not going to explode. <laughs> you know, this is this is okay to do. A few people might have to cross the road after they park their car, but that's really the extent of the impact. Because I've ridden that street many, many times on all days of the week at all different times of the day, and I don't think I've ever seen it wall to wall parking. Right? Like it really is. About half of the parking spaces are used, and they're you know they kind of ping pong back between both sides of the street and so as someone riding a bicycle down that street what that means is that i'm sort of tempted to sort of weave in and out of the parking lane to yeah. stay away from the cars behind me right totally it's actually you know for someone on a bike it feels more dangerous to have a facility like that or like an, a situation not, not like, facility yeah. a, a situation <laughs> like that uh, yeah not a facility where like there's not enough cars where you feel comfortable staying out in the driving lane you feel like you sort of obligated to duck into the parking lane as you're riding along. But then of course, like every, you know, 200 feet, 400 feet, you have to sort of weave back into traffic. And that to me feels more dangerous than like something where there's a line of parked cars and it's just like sort of understood that I as a bike can take the whole, Mm -hmm. the lane, Mm -hmm. which is sort of how I feel on like Barshan Road, which is not to say I feel anyway safe on Barshan Road, just a different kind of danger. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of parked cars, didn't something happen recently where the city passed an ordinance or something allowing bike lanes to go behind parked cars? Yeah, no, that's that's great that you brought it up. Yeah, so that definitely happened this winter where we have exactly as you described the ability to 
have parked cars that aren't within a spe specified distance of the curb that you can you can say a parked car can be let's say 10 feet off the curb and in that 10 feet between the parked car and the curb you can have a bike lane for it wow so as other was, cities do yeah and so that's something there have been there are a lot of cities that sort of had like language that sort of specified that you needed to be close to a curb and so it was it was sort of just a thing that we needed to get off our to-do list so that we could actually like implement <laughs> facilities like this and so i will say actually the facility that i know that's like being discussed around this idea is, is something on ellison which is also a road that's adjacent to that barrett castlewood facility and so the idea there would be to build a two-way protected lane mm. but protect it also with a row of parked cars mm. and so those are conversations that we're beginning to have as well around ellison and that would be amazing if we could get ellison barrett right. castlewood and norris all with the same design similar design right and so you begin to create like a consistent coherent network in that part of town yeah I'm speaking today on a live sustainability now with Chris Glasser from Streets for People. My very first guest back in April of 2017. And now we are at the 257th edition of Sustainability <laughs> Now. And Chris, I think, has only come on for his fourth time here. <laughs> Thank you for being one of my favorite guests and always willing to come back on and talk uh, bikes and sane streets with me. Uh, if you love what you're hearing, now is the time to go to forwardradio.org to support your listening. We can't do this without you, my friends. You're not going to hear this kind of programming anywhere else. So if you love it, you need to chip in a few bucks to help keep us on the air. We're trying to raise a total of $5,000, and we do it one little pledge at a time. If you've got only 20 bucks to spare today, that's great. You would be sponsoring the entire day's broadcast today. You could say March 28th, 2022 was my day at Forward Radio. I paid for it all. Thank you so much if you can do that. Uh, I've got a bell in the studio now that I want to ring when I see the next pledge come in uh, of any amount. I would love to thank you live on air through Seven o'clock tonight. So go to FordRadio.org, kick in whatever you can, and you can pick up on some great, great thank you gifts. We are going to talk more about what's going on in our city streets. Another big change, I think, that has evolved since in the last five years is some finally at least serious conversations about, if not actual action on, switching from one-way to two-way streets. That is a big problem in our downtown, right, Chris? Totally, yeah, and it's not just our downtown. I would describe it as like our urban, Everywhere. Our urban neighborhoods, <laughs> yeah, and, you yeah. know. And I think the problem is that, like, you know, whether you're in Shelby Park, Smoketown, mm. or you're in Algonquin, or you're in Portland, you have these streets cutting through your neighborhood where you are a resident, and they are servicing commuters to and from downtown, but not really serving the the neighborhood. And right. so, for residents, they're just a total hassle. I mean, they're they're a disaster. They a menace. To all these cars like flying down the street and the lights are often timed to you know 40 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour and so that just encourages speeding from from vehicular traffic you know if you just barely make a yellow light at one intersection you know that if you just gun it <laughs> got, got it for the you know <laughs> you can bump it up to 50 miles an hour through this neighborhood and you can probably make the next light and that's just a really bad incentive structure to set up and so it's just been a disaster. And so I think we are really finally chipping away at that or beginning to 
And, you know, something that I'm really excited about is that we have funding in place for a two-way conversion in the Smoketown Shelby Park neighborhood Yay. of Logan and Shelby Streets. Oh, thank goodness. So that's been great and a big, you know, shout out. Thank you to Denise Harper Angel, who's a state yeah. senator, who's helped secure that funding. Oh, that's great. Uh, And 2nd and 3rd Street is also maybe being considered too, right? Yeah. So it's my understanding that the city has has done a review, a study of 2nd and 3rd Street. Oh, okay. And so that's the thing. You know, there are so many steps in these process. And first is is to to do a study. And and then from here, that gives us the ability as a city... as a community to pursue funding. So right. now that we have, you know, this, you know, 60 page document that sort of tells us, you know, that it could happen. Now we can pursue the millions, you know, it's a project, let's, you know, ballpark, you know, three to $5 million to do. And, and now we can pursue that funding. Yeah. And I know the city released a, a map of streets they were planning to two way downtown, Gosh, it feels like four years ago. Maybe it was only two. <laughs> and and I thought that there was even funding dedicated to that, right? Do you have any idea what's up with that? Campbell Street and all these others? Yeah, for sure. I do. Um, and the issue, it's, it's where you get way into the weeds of this stuff, <laughs> is, is that the city cannot find a contractor to do that work. What? Uh, they've put out a bid for that contract twice and received no uh, a request for uh, RFP RFP for the, the project twice. To design? To do, to do the work. They already have the designs in place, oh. and they just haven't received a bid either time they put it out, which is staggering and surprising and jaw-dropping. What? Is this like a COVID <laughs> thing? Like uh, they can't find workers or what in the heck? <laughs> the explanation for why this is is, is unclear to me. Wow. Um, it is like a frustrating hiccup in the process to say we have the funding. It's federal funds, um, and it's in place, and we've put out the bid twice and, and received nothing back. And so, yeah, the, I mean, the streets that they are looking to do first are 7th and 8th in downtown. Right, And right. then East Jefferson Street sort of through the Nulu adjacent to the East Market Street redesign that, that's about to go into place as well. And again, it's just a thing where I keep I keep being told that <laughs> they can't get anyone to do the job. You know, which I think like folks who maybe, you know, the, there's an easy analogy is you like have like a, a roof leak or something and you can't find the contract. You know, you keep calling people up and saying, you know, can you do this for me? And you can't ever get anybody to come out. And yeah, do that's the work true. That does happen. And, um, that's, you know, that's how I'm sort of being wow. led to understand what the issue is, which is very surprising to me when we're talking about millions of dollars uh, yeah. uh, for, this, for these jobs. <laughs> I don't know why they can't be like, here's, a, here's I, multiple millions of dollars. I'll tell the city how I'm going to two-way <laughs> Campbell Street, and I've got the paint, and the, the stoplights are already in place. Yeah. It's just taking down the signs and repainting the double yellow on that street. My God. But other ones are a little more complicated, but geez, come on. Yeah, it's <sighs> definitely a frustrating hiccup that's a head-scratcher head as well. Another thing that has happened in the last five years is uh, serious conversations about an actual implementation of replacing unnecessary stoplights with four-way stop signs. It's happened on 7th Street in Old Louisville, or Limerick, I guess, and, and 8th Street as well. Uh, there's some more of that in the works. Yeah, the city has been very receptive to these sort of individual changes that we and other neighborhood groups have like proposed, and and there have been sort of a smattering of changes here and there over the years. And so, like Cherokee Road has been one street that 
used to have four signals on it. And now it's three stop signs and one signal on it hmm. that have been, uh, you know, three of those intersections have been changed to four-way stops, which is great um, and just great for making that neighborhood feel more like a neighborhood. And then, you know, we've had, as you are mentioning, 7th and 8th, and, you know, we've done some stuff just, again, like at individual intersections. However, I think one thing that I'm excited about is that, you know, we've been working with the old Louisville Neighborhood Council to ask that the entire sort of neighborhood there, uh, which is, you know, a collection, a whole network of traffic signals, be replaced with always stop signs. And so we're talking about 6th Street. We're talking about Brook and Floyd and and 1st Street. We're talking about Magnolia and Ormsby, um, streets like that, where these are, you know, these are streets that have, you know, relatively very small traffic counts and, you know, really are just neighborhood streets. And so they can be served by an always stop. And that is just, that's great for just people on foot. It's, it's, it's a... The thing I love about always stops is that the pedestrian sort of always has the yeah. the right of way. You right. you enter, you come up, up to it, and you know if there are no cars there, you can just proceed. Whereas if I'm approaching a traffic signal, I know that in either direct one of the two directions, there could be a car just flying down the road, and I need to like figure out where it might be coming mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I just think that it's a great thing for making a, a neighborhood feel like a neighborhood. Can you explain to people why you replace a traffic light with an always stop versus a, a stop in only one of the directions? Yeah, I mean there are just there are traffic engineer standards okay. that that have to be met, and so what it comes down to is when the streets are sort of roughly comparable in terms uh, of okay. the traffic volume, the preferred uh, treatment is an always stop, you know, as opposed to you know, one way getting the right of way. Speaking today with Chris Glasser from Streets for People. He was the very first guest on my show back in April of 2017. And five years later, I've got him back for our fifth anniversary pledge drive going on right now through our birthday on April 9th. We need you to go to forwardradio.org right now and pledge whatever you can. Pick up on some of these great thank you gifts starting at the $25 level. Uh, You get a T-shirt, a hoodie, or one of these great handmade stitch items. uh, And take something home to show your WFMP pride. uh, And a little advertising for the station, too. Wear it on your chest. Why not? Uh, And we will thank you live on air now through 7 o'clock. Would love to ring this bell. It would make me feel so good if I could... Ring the bell for our 10th donor uh, at forwardradio.org. Uh, we are over 10% of the way to our goal of raising $5,000, uh, but we've got a long way to go still. So we need you to give what you can today. Any amount helps us towards our goal. You could also, uh, if you don't have a bunch of money to give right now, you could just give a little bit every month. That would really help. Maybe five bucks a month or something like that really helps sustain us throughout the year. That's another option for donating now uh, at the month. You could give monthly. Uh, so that's a great way to support the station uh, and support organizations like Streets for People. Now, another uh, new development with Streets for People is we're having car-free happy hours again, right? <laughs> uh, some hangouts. And the next one is coming up Tuesday, April 12th. Uh, they're at 8 p.m. at rotating venues. Is that what we've decided? 
That's right. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, we have all summer long. We're going to be holding, you know, what what I what I call <laughs> just hang sessions. Uh, they're the second Tuesday of every um, of every month, and um, and and yeah, the, the last one was at Gravely. And we had a, we had sort of these sporadically last summer and fall, but I think you know with with where we are at with things, I, it feels like good just to have it on this, on the calendar. Yeah. And let everyone know that it's happening. I since it, we are planning to have it rotating. Mog, where should we have our next one? Oh, this one in April. where should we you go? Tell me. I've been I've been thinking of places, <laughs> but I kind of can't haven't been able to land on one. I mean, Logan Street Market seems like a smart place if we want to talk about two wing Logan and Shelby. Yeah, I think that's that's a good one. That's I, I like that, and okay. especially since we have some like there's a lot of open space there, and people can go to like hang out. Yeah, that that's actually a great idea. Yeah, food and uh, drinks. Yeah, good stuff. I love it. Okay. Yeah, All it's right. set then. April twelfth, eight p.m. <laughs> at Logan Street Market. All right, I'm on board. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, we're doing it. We're again, yeah, second Tuesday of every month. We're having these these hang sessions, and they're very informal. Um, but I do think they're a great way to connect with sort of like-minded folks and I've been really happy with like all the different people that come out whether they're you know work for Metro work mm -hmm. you're, you're just av people who are sort of like interested in ride a bike or like walking down the street it's been like a whole range of of folks and this upcoming one actually we're sort of going to have a little bit more of an, uh, um, an agenda to it in the sense that uh, we're going to try to have a focus on on housing and zoning issues um, because transportation and housing are so interconnected and interrelated and there's just a lot of conversation happening locally and in local government around housing issues and zoning reform and so we've been reaching out to those advocacy groups and trying to c connect with them and, and bring them on and so heard you know heard back from from different folks that um that that's what we're going to have is just sort of a, a way to focus a conversational bit. And there's just so much that goes into the way we use our land that impacts the way we can actually travel and, right. and commute and things like that. Right. Where, where can people go online to stay in touch with streets for people and find out where these hangouts are going to be at? Yeah. Great question. So I would say just, you know, your favorite social media, um, Twitter, Facebook, um, just do a search for streets for people. That's where we, you know, post, uh, event updates about about these things that are that are coming up is it spelled out f-o-r or the number well i think if you do if you just search you know the words ah, okay. streets for people <laughs> okay uh, yeah they will they will it'll be the thing that shows up all right for cool. sure yeah streets for people on your favorite social media but that's a great question because you know the the handle on all of them is always streets for the numeral four. Okay, streets for peeps. But you, oh yeah, streets for peeps. That's but right. you do not have to like remember that in any way. <laughs> you just can search for streets for people and and you'll find us. I promise. Awesome, awesome. Streets for peeps. And I think one thing that's been actually great about that again that transition of streets for people, thinking in those terms is to see that that's like language that's being used all across the country oh yeah and it's not really like just this one-off thing that we're doing that you know you know you see that being used in atlanta by the advocates down there and seattle all, you know all over the country and so it does feel like you know our conversation here locally is aligned with what other advocacy groups and, and cities are thinking yeah that's awesome and it's pulling in uh, people with different interests, as we've been mentioning all along, not just cyclists. Uh, and some of those people are parts of Friends of Bardstown Road. Let's talk about Bardstown yeah, totally. Road and the redesign there. 
Yeah, definitely. I, that is that is a, an effort that's being led in large part by our friend uh, Jackie Cobb. Yay, Jackie! And um, and she, you know, and there's there's a there's a small group of, of folks, and I'm I'm one of them who you know who work specifically to to advocate for the Barshan Road redesign plan, advocate for its implementation. And there's been a lot of great steps uh, to move us down that road. I think Cassie Armstrong, the council member for that area, has been like a, a huge advocate and done amazing work to to make sure that at the state level, where she has a lot of good connections, that things are moving forward. Because because Bartshan Road is a state road, not a city road, and there's sort of just like a limit to the amount that metro government can mm. control what's happening there. But I think because Cassie's well connected, and and because it is such like just an an obvious thing for so many folks that um, who live in the area, even if you know they don't think too much about these issues, they can sort of quickly latch on to the idea that it is, it is an important thing for us to make Barshan Road, you know, a complete street, a, a street that you know has trees on it, is, yeah. is, is safe, feels safer to walk upon, you know, things like that. Yeah, and some work has already been done, right? Like some of the temporary lane lights yeah, yeah. have been removed. Is that right? So what they've done is is they've for for the the design, you know, they they used to have these these lights up, up above the road that would sort of tell you which lane to drive in depending on what time of day it was. And they've just they those lines still those lights still exist, but they've turned them off so that basically the design stays the same all all, you know, all times of the day, all times of the year. And what they've done as well is they've painted dedicated turn lanes to, again, help with traffic flow. So my experience on that road is that, you know, for, if you're driving on that road, traffic moves at a much more, like, consistent, predictable, steady mm. pace, but it's not a fast pace. And that's right. exactly, I mean, that's a, exactly what you would want. You know, if I'm driving in a car from Douglas Loop down to, you know, uh, downtown, I'm taking Bartshan Road. I can sort of like expect to be going. I feel like you know, like 15 to 20 miles an hour at a steady space, and know that like turning cars are going to go into the turning lane, and I can continue on. And that's a very different thing than what it was before. Like in the past, th because there was no dedicated turning lanes, you would like you just get like stuck behind three mm -hmm. cars taking a left, and there'd be nothing you could do about it, and and there'd be all these backups. So it's it's even though they've with those changes, they've just made traffic flow much smoother, and I think it's just made the whole experience more pleasant. So I know there was a big redesign proposal for, like, they broke up Bartstown Road into three different types of segments, as I recall. That's right, yeah. All the way out to the Waterson, right? That's right. And so, you know, the currently what the project has, uh, so there is funding at the state level for implementing some of this redesign. And thankfully, that redesign is on the most like inner urban part of it. So yeah. it's, it's all the way. So from if you can picture where like uh, Baxter Jacks, the volleyball yep. <laughs> uh, spot is, you know, so that's the all the way at the very end at Lexington Road and, and Baxter Avenue. And you take that all the way. You take that up the hill towards Broadway. You pass Highland Ave, and you take that all the way to essentially Bonnie Castle, Bonnie Castle Ave. And so I think you know it's about a mile and a half yep. uh, of the corridor, and you know, you know the most urban part of the corridor, you know, the most densely populated part of the corridor, and so that's great. I mean, so that's the part that they are are in fully anticipating wow. to to implement like a, a, the full redesign starting you know 
this summer. I, you know, I think the tentative goal is to have it in place by the, the fall cyclovia. Oh, all right. Do you know anything about cycluvia this year? Speaking of closing the streets, just that <laughs> it's happening. You know, okay. <laughs> like you know, the the city, you know, f- always does one in the fall on Barstown Road, and that's sort of been like the is the easiest, most attainable one. I think the community yeah. has really positively responded to that. They've over the years tried a few different other locations. Frankfurt Avenue's been sort of a modest success, I think. And I think they've also talked about doing like Goss Avenue and Logan Street. Oh yeah. Um, I remember doing and some. And they've of those. talked yeah. about doing like Main Street. So the other ones have sort of bounced around and and it's sort of from year to year unclear which ones are gonna which ones we're gonna do. But the, the Barshan Road one is, has always been sort of in October mm-hmm. and, you know, the knowing that it's going to be coming up in October, the idea has been like, let's have this in place for that event. And finally, on closing roads, uh, they finally announced that they're going to close the Cherokee uh, Park loop, uh, right? Uh, but only once Sunday per month mm-hmm. and only from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the first one was yesterday. Oh, was it? Oh, I missed it. Darn. Oh, yeah, I missed it, too. It was so cold yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, that's true. It's such a disappointment <laughs> what's happened with Cherokee park, you know, with the, the way we've allowed cars to go back in there and cause that, it was that, pretty magical during COVID there, the height of COVID when it was closed permanently. Right. Yeah. I mean, for 18 months, 18 months, they, wow. they kept it car free and it was just such a different experience. It's so quiet and like, yep. you know, especially I have two small kids yep. and it was like so great to be able to walk that, that loop and just not worry that, you know, someone's going to be flying up behind you, um, in a car and a loud motorcycle. Just the, the volume was so much more peaceful. Like just the sort of certainty that there wasn't like a vehicle that, <laughs> that could kill you that coming up behind you, you know, like, I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking about parks. You're talking about a place where you want to like let your guard down and just relax. And, and if you're on the loop, like, you, we're back to the situation where you can't do that and like people drive and you know i've been biking through the park and just had like cars like come up behind me and like sort of being like annoyed that they can't go <laughs> yeah. 25 miles an hour through the park and it's like come on man we're like we're in a park like enjoy yourself like chill out like and you know that's it's it was such a great experience when it was car yeah. free and it is to me just like really sad <laughs> the way that conversation evolved over the lows sort of months to make it such a toxic conversation yeah. really. well and the last thing i want to talk about to me toxic conversations if you t- <laughs> if you tuned other me- mainstream media in town right now the only thing they're talking about in terms of uh streets and infrastructure is Shouldn't we use the infrastructure bill money to end tolling on the Ohio River Bridges project? Uh, And it's just unfair that people have to pay to cross the river here in Louisville and they're going to get a free bridge in Cincinnati. What do you think about that, Glasser? (laughs) I mean, I think everyone listening knows that. But I mean, you know, it's it's just so strange to me that like we have this mindset as a culture that people yeah. don't have to pay for this ex- insanely expensive insanely resource, insanely expensive that they yeah. are asking to consume. Like, it, you know, like whether it's 
on street parking, like people just sort of. Oh, it should be, always be free. Yeah, that yeah. should just be free, and it was like, well, there. <laughs> that was a cost to build it and maintain that, and to say nothing of like a bridge spanning yeah. a very wide river. When uh, we already had bridges, we so, already had bridges. People, you could get across the river. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh uh, yeah, it's it's. Um, it's I have a very predictable take on, on that. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Enlightening to offer. <laughs> Thanks so much, <laughs> Chris, for taking the time to join me in the studio. This has been a lot of fun to catch up. Of course, uh, man. Always with, great to be here. With you and with Streets for People. You can find them on your favorite social media at Streets, the number four peeps, or just you know, search for Streets for People and you'll find them. And join us on Tuesday, April 12th at 8 p.m. out at Logan Street Market for our monthly uh, car-free happy hour. I love that you're you're sticking to that name. It's, it's got to be. It's a great name. It's got to be car-free you happy don't, hour. You can, you can drive a car to the... the <laughs> I just want to say, that's no. why we're Streets for People. We invite... We won't be shamed. <laughs> you, we won't shame you. It's, 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 a, it's a Streets for People hang session, so awesome. come on out. Well, join us then, and join us now at forwardradio.org. This is a live sustainability now we want your pledges we need your support go to forwardradio.org during this musical break before our community action calendar while you're getting your pencils sharpened and your calendars out and support us i want to thank you live on air so do it now at forwardradio.org Live here on Forward Radio. My name is Justin Mogg. This is Sustainability Now. So great to be here in the studio on a beautiful Monday evening. It's 6.46 p.m. doing a live program on March 28th. Apologies if you're listening to the rebroadcast of this program or to our podcast, which you can find at forwardradio.org. But we're going live today because we want to thank you live on the air for donating to the station. We have nine donator donors so far on our Give Lively, which you can find the link to at forwardradio.org. We want to thank Ruth Newman, myself, Judy Watrous, Dave Robinson, Avery Kohlers, Michael Logston, Mary Williams, and David Dutschke, as well as the folks who've gone old school and mailed in a check today. we got a great check today from Lauren Care. We also got a check just the other day from Jim Wayne, former representative, Kentucky uh, General Assembly representative. And uh, boy, it's been great to have the support. Barbara Berman is giving us a really generous contribution, friend of the station. We want to add you to that list. We want to ring this bell here in the studio to thank you live on the air. Uh, there are great thank you gifts, t-shirts, hoodies, wonderful handmade crafts, zippered pouch, phone caddy, uh, kitchen boa, a set of dishcloths and microwave bowl pot holders, and oh, those wonderful handmade lap blankets in UofL colors or Ford radio colors or UK colors, or you can give a custom amount. You can give one time or you could give monthly. So many ways to support the station. This is the time to do it during our fifth anniversary pledge drive. Man, we went on air five years ago on April 9th, and we want you to join us at our party coming up on Saturday, April 9th at 
the Tim Faulkner Gallery right across the street from Logan Street Market, in fact. Uh, and we would love to see you there from 1 to 4 p.m. We're going to have live bands, including Amber Riggs, a local singer-songwriter who you just heard live in studio yesterday when we kicked off the Pledge Drive. If you didn't catch that, you can find it at forwardradio.org on our podcast SoundCloud feed, uh, which is also now available in so many different formats. Uh, wherever you listen, you can find us now at forwardradio.org. You're, there's links to all of those different platforms where you can catch our podcast. Well, let's get our pencils sharpened and our calendars out and get ready to take action for sustainability this week. Coming up on Tuesday, March 29th at 4 p.m., it's the next Sustainability Roundtable from U of L. This week, uh, featuring Habitat for Humanity. Uh, you're going to have two featured speakers on March 29th at 4 p.m. Leslie Woods and Balaji Ogbulu from Louisville Habitat for Humanity. The great thing about our roundtables is you don't have to pre-register. It's virtual, but you can join anytime without registering in advance. Just go to louisville.edu slash sustainability and find the link to join that conversation about Habitat for Humanity. Also on Tuesday, the 29th, at 5.30 p.m. online, there's going to be a mayoral candidates forum focused just on the nonprofit sector, like us, independent radio, nonprofit radio here at WFMP. Well, the Center for Nonprofit Excellence invites you to participate in this mayoral candidate forum on the role nonprofits play in our community today and in the future. This is a virtual event. It will be live and recorded. It's an opportunity to hear from the city's nonprofit leaders leaders, workforce, and constituents on what's important to them for the city to have a thriving future. And it's a chance for candidates to share their positions on key issues of the day. The forum will be hosted by Anthony Smith of Cities United and moderated by Rachel Platt of the Fraser Museum and Stephen George from Louisville Public Media. Questions and topics are supplied by member organizations of the Center for Nonprofit Excellence. In the first 60 minutes, the moderators will ask questions from the membership that are submitted prior to the event. The final 30 minutes of questions uh, will be asked live from the audience and you could be part of it. Just go to register at cnpe.org for the Center for Nonprofit Excellence, cnpe.org to register for the Tuesday 5.30 p.m. mayoral candidate forum focused on nonprofits online. Also, Tuesday, March 29th, uh, you can volunteer to help build raised beds for the Portland Community Center's garden. Uh, Portland Community Center is in need of some help, helping hands to assemble new raised garden beds at the center. The project is planned for both Tuesday and Thursday of this week, the 29th and 31st, from 5.30 to 7 p.m. both days. Whether you're new to gardening or have an old green thumb, they'd love to see you out there. Tools and gloves will be provided, and you can sign up at bestparksever.com. This is a volunteer event organized by Louisville Metro Parks, so check out the best parksever.com and volunteer uh, this coming Tuesday or Thursday from 5.30 to 7 out at the Portland Community Center, 640 North 27th Street. Now, uh, we've mentioned before about Project Warm and their energy management workshops. We had them on the show a few weeks back, and during these workshops, valuable tips and techniques are demonstrated, which are designed to help you reduce your gas, electric, and water bills throughout the entire year. Weatherization is the topic, and it's important all year long, and we need you to help spread the word. These workshops are important, even while the warmer months are ahead. Tell your friends and neighbors about the upcoming workshops and get in touch at projectwarm.org. 
if you're part of an organization interested in hosting a future workshop with Project Warm. But it is on the radar this week because on Wednesday, March 30th, they'll be having a workshop from 1.30 to 2.30 at the Newburg Community Center, 4810 Exeter Avenue. Uh, and to register for that, call 502-456-8122. There'll also be workshops coming up on April 18th at 5.30 p.m. at the Louisville Central Community Center and on April 20th at 10 a.m. at B-Side U Pregnancy Center on Muhammad Ali Boulevard. Now, also coming up Wednesday, March 30th at 7 p.m. online, it's the next Green Convene uh, on civic engagement, how to advocate for sustainability in Louisville. You can register and learn more at louisvillesustainabilitycouncil.org. On March 3rd, Louisville Metro Council passed an update to Chapter 156 of the Louisville Metro Code of Ordinances, also known as the Weeds Ordinance. These changes provide an exception to the 10-inch rule for lawns that allows property owners to have managed natural landscapes instead of abusing the landscape with constant mowing. Advocates for native gardens worked with city staff to draft changes to the ordinance so residents can have confidence that their yardens are in compliance with city codes. Not only did this result in a positive change in our ordinance, it illustrates how advocates can advance sustainability initiatives by working with city staff and making the case to Metro Council. You can hear from those that help make native plants welcome in Louisville and learn how you can advocate for the issues you care about with guest speakers Allison Smith from the Office of Advanced Planning and Sustainability and Margaret Carrero and Barbara Berman with Wild Ones Louisville. Again, it is Wednesday, March 30th at 7 p.m. online. Learn more and register at louisvillesustainabilitycouncil.org. On Thursday, the 31st at UofL from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., both online and in the Student Activity Center Ballroom, where you have to register if you want to join in person. It'll be Muhammad Ali, a transcendent life standing up for peace symposium. UofL's Muhammad Ali Institute for Peace and Justice's annual symposium, co-sponsored by University Libraries and the Ann Braden Institute, addresses the question, what can we learn from Muhammad Ali about standing up for peace today? Plenary sessions in the morning address how Ali inspires young people and how artists are standing up for peace and are inspired by Muhammad Ali. Dr. Raymond Green will speak about the Muhammad Ali social justice magnet at Central High School. Hannah Drake will speak about how Ali inspires her as an artist. The keynote speaker is Ambassador Shabazz, Malcolm X's eldest daughter. The symposium is part of the Muhammad Ali Institute and U of L Library's commemoration of Muhammad Ali with exhibits across all of the U of L libraries and new digital resources that were unveiled last January. For more information and registration and the link to join, go to louisville.edu/sustainability. Again, this symposium is all day on Thursday the 31st, both online or in person at U of L's Student Activity Center Ballroom. Now, speaking of UofL, on Friday, April 1st, we are holding our annual Arbor Day celebration. Our April 1st is Kentucky's Arbor Day, and UofL is going to join in the fun with a 10.30 a.m. tree planting at Schneider Hall. That's the uh, the 
Height Art Institute there. We're also going to be having a pollinator party uh, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Davidson and Strickler Quad between Davidson Hall and Strickler Hall from 11 to 1 for a Pollinators Love Arbor Day celebration featuring local honey products produced by bees feeding on blossoming trees, honey lavender shortbreads, and honey lemon iced tea. We also have UofL's new observation hive on hand so you can safely observe bees from our apiary at work on their honeycomb. It's co-sponsored by UofL's Sustainability Council, UofL's Height Institute of Art and Design, and the HSC Green Team, because we'll also be going to the Health Sciences Center. Uh, and there we'll be planting trees at 1.30 p.m. behind the ABLE Administration Building right there on Chestnut Street. Uh, you can help us plant trees uh, again at 10:30 a.m. at Schneider Hall. In we're going to be doing a memorial tree uh, at Schneider Hall in honor of the 75th anniversary of U of L's Height Institute of Art and Design, and in honor of two donors uh, donors to the Heights Graphic Design Program, Mike Power and his son David, who recently passed away. So join us on a Friday, April 1st, for an Arbor Day celebration at U of L. We're also going to be giving away pawpaw seedlings, uh, saplings, I should say. Uh, some pretty big ones too uh, ready to plant in your garden if you love native fruit or want to experiment with it it's a great tree to have in your yard or neighborhood or community garden and we're going to be giving away 44 native pawpaw saplings so come on out 10 30 a.m at schneider hall at uofl Speaking of tree giveaways, on Saturday, April 2nd, from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the Louisville Zoo, there's going to be a 300 tree giveaway brought to you by Trees Louisville. It's their biannual tree giveaway at the Louisville Zoo. There's a limit of two trees per household. Uh, it's a walk-up event. You can find them next to the front entrance. There's an option to purchase water wells for $15. It's an extra layer of protection for your tree. And you must provide a Louisville zip code to qualify for the free trees. They're going to be giving away service berries and eastern redbuds for the smaller trees, as well as willow oaks, northern red oak, burr oak, and nuttall oak. More information is available at facebook.com slash trees Louisville. Or if you want free trees and are looking for an excuse to visit burr, Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest. They are hosting an Arbor Day Adopt-A-Tree event on Saturday, April 2nd from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Bernheim Visitor Center, giving away free bare root whips that are immediately ready to plant in your spring landscape, including these native species that are not available at the Louisville Zoo on Saturday. So you can choose where you want to go by what you want to get. They've got gray dogwoods, Washington hawthorns, river birch, black oak, white oak, buttonbush, rough leaf dogwood and bald cypress hey and while you're out there you might as well enjoy the walking meditation in bernheim's edible garden on saturday the second from 9 a.m to 10 a.m with ever-growing responsibilities and waves of momentary distractions slowing down our hearts and minds is needed now more than ever join us for a short slow intentional walk through the edible garden more information and registration is at bernheim.org uh, also want to let you know that the next pop-up drop-off event is saturday april 2nd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Sun Valley Ball Field in Ashby Lane Baptist out at 10401 Lower River Road. This is where you can recycle electronics, metal and appliances, household recyclables, yard waste, shredding, uh, passenger tires, prescription medication disposal, all offered to you by Louisville Metro. And we are all out of time here on Sustainability Now's live program. Uh, thanks for donating at forwardradio.org during our fifth anniversary pledge drive. 
uh, you can still get in on some of the great thank you gifts now through April 9th. And we'll see you next week here on Sustainability Now. Thank you.